0: Hello all, and welcome back to another episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. My name is Jennifer Hahn. And I'm Sarah Callan. And the Strategic Whimsy Experiment is a weekly gathering place filled with conversations about the films that shape our lives. Today, we are going to be reviewing the new Netflix film, The Harder They Fall. Sarah, do you want to kick us off with an IMDb summary for this movie?
1: Sure. When an outlaw discovers his enemy is being released from prison, he reunites his gang to seek revenge in this Western. Alrighty, let's start off with our one-sentence summaries for The Harder They Fall. Uh, Mine is, not your grandmother's Western. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) This
0: is so fresh. Yeah, it is. So (laughs) fresh. But still being uh, respectful to and calling to all the Western tropes. So, Mm -hmm. so good. Um, My summary is, y'all need to quick draw your Netflix out to watch this film (laughs)
1: ASAP. (laughs) Very well played. Well done. (laughs) Oh,
0: man. Everyone just needs to see this movie as fast as they possibly can. Because, well, we're going to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's start
1: off with our initial thoughts of The Heart of They Fall. What do you think of this movie? Oh, I loved it. This... I mean, yes! What you said, like, everybody needs to watch this, which, like, while I was watching, I was like, oh my gosh, Netflix is finally using its powers for good. <laughs> this is excellent. Yeah. Like, it's, oh, it's such a, a, a wonderful film. And so the reason why... My my summary was what it was, is because my grandma loved Westerns. Oh. She (laughs) watched Westerns. She loved John Wayne, which I have never understood. And I never liked Westerns. So I I would watch question. My next question was going to be, did you inherit this love for Westerns or – Because I never heard you rave about it. So, okay. Nope. Do not like Westerns. (laughs) Never understood it. I would watch them with her just because she wanted to watch them, but I did not enjoy them. So, like, as I was watching this, I was going, this is my kind of Western. (laughs) This is what I want. Can this, like, be the the shape or the mold of the genre going forward? Because then I will 100% percent cosign this. Like, Mm -hmm. let's not go back to what traditional Westerns have looked like. Let's make things like this. Because this is just a phenomenal movie.
0: It really is so good, so fresh, Uh, well done in just all of the style and badassery and the way that it uses all the filmmaking components, which I'm sure we'll dive into, Um, especially the pairing of the music and soundtrack with the cinematography in this film. Just so energizing. I was thinking to myself, I haven't had this much fun in a movie since probably Knives Out. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Me too. Just like a good time, and this is what is so exciting about the movie-going experience is just having fun too, you know. Um, but this film also isn't just pure style and fluff. There's actually a lot more substance that um, the film tackles than I was expecting. And even you know, halfway through the movie, I didn't expect for this film to have so much to say by the end, um, which I'm sure we will dive into, but I'm not surprised you love this film. I was thinking about how much the style and uh, the dialogue of this movie reminds me so much of Guy Ritchie's style. And I know you're a big Guy Ritchie fan. Mm, um, yeah. So I'm not
1: surprised at all. And there was a lot of like Tarantino moments as well. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that that's the kind of the beauty of this, this film. They were able to take so many things that have already been done you know like tarantino Mm -hmm. or these westerns and draw inspiration from it but truly truly make it into something completely new and i i agree that integration of the music with what was happening on screen was just phenomenal like Mm -hmm. i and i feel like we often talk about the score and like yeah the score was really good but like I need new adjectives to de- to describe yes. just how phenomenal this this music was and how it really enhanced everything. Like it was almost like like the colors were brighter because mm-hmm. the music was so on point and it was so creative. And I, I would never expect to hear what we heard in a Western, but yeah. it enhanced. Every single thing. Like, oh my gosh, the soundtrack is maybe the MVP, but Mm -hmm. the whole thing is just phenomenal. I feel like if you look at every component of this film, you're just wowed by it. And I certainly did not expect that from this film.
0: I didn't at all. I really didn't at all. Um, And for this to be James Samuel's feature, first feature film ever um, is fascinating. I'm so intrigued by... Him in general, and the type of work that he creates. He's a singer-songwriter, known for hit by his stage name as Bullets. Um, But and he and he was often um, described as his music having a cinematic element to it. And so he began to release short films with his music releases, uh, which is just incredible. Uh, Just reading a little bit about his backstory, he like fell in love with film at a young age, but then kind of pivoted to music, but. I feel like you see so much of his musical sensibilities playing out both in the soundtrack, but also in the pacing, uh, the rhythm, and the movement and momentum of the cinematography as well. Like it all feels like the pieces are working together instead of, oh, the sound so great, soundtrack was so great, but it kind of was, um, you know, like – too much spotlighted. You know if we like use the choir uh, metaphor here, like all of the the sounds and the harmonies of the filmmaking components are just working together perfectly. There's no not one that is
1: like overpowering or overshining um, the rest of them. Oh, so good. Mm-hmm. And, I, and like every time we went into like a new scene or a new set piece or were introduced to a new character, there was a slightly different sound or song. Yeah. But it didn't feel like disjointed. It it made me excited to go further into the film because mm-hmm. I wanted to to experience these other sounds and these other moods and I I don't know that I've 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 thought of a soundtrack like this before. Mm-hmm. Like it's just there was something different about this that made it so so special and unique. And I I haven't been able to put my finger on it, but Man, this is something really special. It really is. And it's
0: so cool how it uses so much of the gifts of the creator um, in really interesting new ways. You know, like mm-hmm. on this film, he is writer, director, producer, and composer all together. And so there's like a coherence in his vision that I think is translating to the magic that we get to experience. Um, I got a chance to watch part of this film uh, for a second time, which you know me. I never do this. I always yeah. wait to rewatch wow. a movie. But I just – I had to watch it again. Wow. Um, one thing that I was wanting to re-watch for, which I, I didn't get far enough into, but uh, was for the lyrics. Like, I feel like there's so much more meaning to the lyrics of how certain scenes are paired um, that I think would be really fascinating to, like, watch for and dig deeper on. But one thing that I noticed in the early scenes of this movie is the – the beats of the music are aligned to a lot of like the visual one, just the editing mm-hmm. of um, the shots, but to even little details down to when Nat Love is um, riding his horse into Douglas town, the the steps of the horse and yes. the swaying of his body back and forth is like perfectly aligned to the beats of the song that's playing at that time, which you know, th- just that there's so much of this, like, little attention to detail that I think translates to this rhythmic, kinetic feeling that we have as the receiver that, you know, the first time around, we just don't know how to pinpoint it. It just feels so good and so satisfying. But all those little details, man, I bet there's so much more.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there there are, like, certain moments where it almost looked like the horses were dancing to the beat yes. with how they were moving and getting into position. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't know. This is one of those, like... You you just want to dance to it. Like yeah. there's, just, there's like you said, like there's just this kinetic connection to this mm-hmm. film. And I, I'm sure we'll talk more about it, but there's that fight at the end that is basically choreographed yes. to the music. And I I we've seen really, really well choreographed fights <laughs> yes. in films before. But again, like this is just a different level of intentionality to pair the action with the song mm-hmm. and it didn't feel cheesy or gimmicky it it felt completely natural for yes. this fight and this song to be one essentially
0: yeah that's so true and i wonder if one of the reasons why it doesn't feel cheesy or gimmicky like you mentioned is because the entire movie is like that you know i think if you know it's gimmicky when there's like an isolated scene that is somehow perfectly paired and whatnot but because it's just woven through kind of the fabric and the style and the mood of this film from scene one it's just the world we're living in and so we kind of can accept all of that and go along with the momentum of it um, instead of it feeling
1: isolated Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, no that's a that's a good point it we're we are submerged into yes. this soundtrack and this world yeah
0: mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: um similar to our conversation that we had on about in
0: the heights where like some of the fantastical scenes were they felt a little out of place because it wasn't you know woven into the rest of the the film this one really mm-hmm. establishes the mood and the world we're living in from scene one yeah <laughs> And I'm intrigued for, for people that are, you know, like music and um, hip hop and rap buffs that really know a lot about those genres. Um, I know that James Samuels, like, mixed together and, like, remixed a lot of famous um, songs in those genres and kind of set them to uh, different beats or or whatnot in, to make up the fabric of the soundtrack for this movie. And so... There's like a whole layer of appreciation for that piece that I'm sure music lovers out there that are really familiar with those genres would be also um, potentially captivated by. Or like he's doing something fresh in that area. I just feel like I have less context for it. I'm just here loving it,
1: <laughs> right? Yeah, it's it's not my uh, go-to genre. So yeah. I, but I love that, like that intentionality yeah. and and that passion. You know, even mm-hmm. even though you know, this is not our, our genre of music. You can feel the the passion that he has for it and and just mm-hmm. his excitement about what he's creating. You can just sense throughout the entire film. Like, I don't know. I feel like sometimes you like watch a movie and it feels like, uh, did they kind of phone this in a little bit? But <laughs> yeah. that is not this film. Like mm-hmm. they gave, I don't know, a thousand percent in every single category and you can yeah. feel that coming off of the screen.
0: Yes, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And also just some really smart filmmaking. Like I think you referenced uh, Tarantino and some Tarantino-esque things that were happening in this movie. Same thing with Guy Ritchie. There's some Scorsese in here as well with like the free shots at the beginning when uh, the title credits are coming. So clearly James Samuel is a film lover and knows his stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and he it, – it's almost like uh, – Like, like when you're creating something new, like, you know, your boundaries of your genre or Mm. your, I don't know, your instrument, your style of music, whatever it is. And so, you know, the foundation and then you just create something new within it. And it kind Mm. of feels like that's what he did. Like he, he knew his boundaries and he knew where to push and like where he needed to stay within them. And he didn't lose himself in creating this. Mm, And I don't know that
0: I, I don't know that you see
1: that. From, like, yeah. first-time filmmakers all that often. Like, this, he he cannonballed onto the onto the scene.
0: <laughs> Seriously. I mean, this is his first yeah. feature film. That's crazy. Not, not only one that he directed with, like, um, a script that was established or worked with writers. He was also the writer. And to have, you know, like, so many of those, like, um passion areas that you want to go deeper on be so smartly and wisely reeled in in certain ways for this movie is is difficult you know
1: um i'm i'm just floored mm-hmm. i was so pleased that this was an original story i was i was nervous uh before they showed the credits that like oh this is based on something or mm. you, you know like i, mm-hmm. I was nervous that he wasn't the one that wrote it. But then when I saw his name come up as the writer in those first credits, I was like, oh yeah, this is going to be awesome. Yeah. There's a series of like four or five frames where his name is just under yep. every possible role. It's, <laughs> that's incredible. Like, that's wow. the I'm not sure. I, I mean, I can't think of another example like that where the the director was in so many other categories like Mm -hmm. we see writer director we see director producer you know things like that but director actor yeah man he just he i don't know overachiever and nailed it yeah
0: yeah he really he really could have creative control and freedom to bring his vision to life and the man had has vision clearly so good Um, I was impressed by the dialogue as well. Uh, Yes. I think it just, it it adds so much to what makes this film really energizing as well. It's, you know, I I was thinking a lot about Guy Ritchie in this movie because he shares a lot of that same super sharp, fast-paced, witty dialogue. And this, it's littered throughout this movie um, and just so funny. (laughs) So that really made for such a good time in this movie and added to the, the, Energizing cool factor of this movie as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking about um, Aaron Sorkin because, like, his mm-hmm. dialogue has like this lyrical quality to it. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's crazy when you just like work through some of his works. But this film, it wasn't lyrical, but it was rhythmic. And again, yes. it just complemented the soundtrack. And so you just felt like every scene. Was It just had this momentum and we were pushing forward because of the way that, that they spoke, the, the pace of it, even, I don't know, it didn't even matter what the subject was, but there was just this rhythmic nature to the way that they spoke that, again, is so unique uh, mm-hmm. and really sets this apart from a
0: lot of other films. Very true. Like even in their conversations where it is interrupted by mm-hmm. punches or gunshots, it it has a pacing to it. Um, so I think rhythmic is, again, we talked about rhythmic with uh, the editing style and the pacing on that front, but even, yeah, you're right with the dialogue too. It is incredibly rhythmic.
1: Mm-hmm. And I even love how every character had a different cadence to mm-hmm. their speech, mm-hmm. and so it wasn't even, and I mean, they all had different accents That's too. True. But it it really was the the pacing of their speech that was so unique. And yet, like you would think that they they would almost like clash with each other, but it it worked. These different mm-hmm. speech mm-hmm. patterns that were kind of unexpected, um, yeah. It just made it so interesting to listen to because everybody sounded different from one another.
0: Yes. It's so true. The character building in this movie is incredibly well done. Yeah. I mean, I I stopped to think about it after this movie ended. There are nearly nine or ten different characters, and somehow each of them had the time dedicated to them and the depth where we feel like we got to know them um, and are invested in them. Usually, you know, almost every other film, there's a much smaller set of characters that we are invested in and the side characters are a little bit less developed and they kind of serve the central purpose. In this one, you really get to know each character. They each have their quirk, their style, um, their fear or their hope or whatever it is, and that's
1: so hard to do in such a short amount of time. Yeah, I wrote down in my notes that uh, – they, they built up more tension and compassion for this character in the first four minutes of the film than some mm-hmm. movies that we've watched this year, like in, in, in its entirety. And just yeah. the way that they set the stakes and, you know, so much about Nat, um, even as a as a boy, like it it just informs the entire thing and and just sets it up beautifully for us to watch all of these characters unfold as we go. So this is this is a brilliantly written script and is so smart because we don't have to be like spoon-fed information about these characters, but we know just based on like body language or little like snide like side comments or whatever. We mm-hmm. learned so much about them. So again, this film respects the viewer and knows that if you're paying attention, you're going to get it. And I love, 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 love when films do that. So true. Yeah, we we don't get a lot
0: explained for us. In fact, there's a lot that in the first few scenes with characters, we're kind of confused. They're referencing things that have happened in the past. And the movie trusts that we will we will pick up um, and we we will get it. You know, maybe not immediately. Like, I'm thinking about specifically the scene where uh, Nat Love goes to Mary's saloon and she's performing and they share this kiss. And there's just so much implied history between them in that one scene where they say nearly nothing. Um, And the film does so many uh, examples of that throughout. You know, like, a lot of the interactions between Trudy and uh, Rufus Buck are the same way. Like, that you can feel the weight of... Relationship that they've had that we haven't seen before, but there's a baseline that we are now building on top of as we see the rest of their interactions. This this movie is very efficient.
1: Mm Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And what a what a tribute to all of these actors because I mean this cast is stellar. Star-studded. Oh my gosh! (laughs) Like (laughs) phenomenal for an ensemble cast, and they. Again, like they all enhance each other and they all make each yeah. other better. And I mean, they're good actors and actresses by themselves, but my God, you just shove them in this movie. And so I, true. I mean, all of them gave phenomenal performances and I, I'm just, I'm blown away by this movie. I am
0: too. You know, it was the same thing we said about the, the actors and actresses and Knives Out. You can tell they're having fun in this movie. You know, like you can tell that this is a dang good time for them to be part of this project. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, it shows. It really does. It really does. Um, all right, we haven't spoiled too much about this movie yet, so no, nope, we let's sure haven't. <laughs> pause. Do a little spoiler alert uh, if you haven't seen this this film yet we are just absolutely gushing about it. So I think we've made it clear how we feel about this movie and we highly recommend checking it out on Netflix before you continue to listen. All right. Shall we talk about the ending of this film? Yeah, sure. Um, It definitely takes a tonal turn uh, from the rest of this movie. I'm curious your thoughts about the way that this film ends and specifically that like big climax scene between Nat love and Rufus buck and kind of what is revealed about them
1: in the relationship. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. Um, I, so I knew that there was a familial relationship there. Uh, I don't know why I knew that, but I knew that from the first scene and I thought that's <laughs> It's your
0: like movie premonition, Spidey I, senses. I swear.
1: I, I don't know how my brain takes this data and is like, oh, I this is know, the conclusion. I, I don't know how we got there. But the moment that he walked in, I was like, oh, he's family. Mm. I I don't know. I don't know where that information came from, but that's, that's what I thought. And so we when- We can more about your brain, but we can save that for another episode. I, just, I wish <laughs> that I could like explain it, but it just, it is what it is. Okay. Um, I love it. So when Rufus reveals that he's actually Nat's Brother, my I, I started doing math because <laughs> I don't know why math is always my go-to, but it was just the the age difference is is what got me because yep. I'm just like, uh, like I can I can see it, it can work, I got it, but uh, I struggled with the math for just a minute because what I thought was that like Rufus was Nat's uncle, maybe like because <laughs> like the age. Made more sense to me rather than brother, but okay, we'll go with brother. Yeah, this is a
0: generation off.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like I, so I just, the math in my brain, I was, I was struggling. Mm -hmm. But I did, once I got over that hurdle, I, I, I like it. I, cause I don't think any other choice would have been better. If that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Like it wouldn't have worked for him to just be like it wouldn't have even worked for him to be an uncle. Like that wouldn't have been as emotionally weighty for him to just be like a random villain. Like that wouldn't have worked. So like him being a brother had to be the, the choice, yeah. especially because it was framed. Like I couldn't kill my brother. We'll see yeah. if you can like, yeah. Oh, that was so good. Um, so I loved it for that. And just seeing, uh, just how complex all of these characters are because Mm -hmm. i i liked parts of of rufus even though he was the bad guy and so then we see nat this guy that we've been like following as our protagonist then like whoa go like real to the dark side and like shoot his brother many, many 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 times and so i just love that we got to like wrestle with that complexity and like the the difficult morality of that moment and obviously jonathan majors just did a phenomenal job acting in that whole scene so did idris elba of course but uh, it was just it was so good once i got over my little mental hurdle i i think that it was <laughs> the the best ending that we could have hoped mm. for for this film cuz nothing else really would have worked nothing else would have had that like emotional I don't know tension like this did Mm -hmm. so yeah I I like it I'm a fan so once the little math exercise is over I just I I I, I had to (laughs) uh, the math I was struggling with but yeah but it can work it can work it just it took me a while to get there Here's the thing that also
0: I, I think makes – well, at least for me, made it more challenging with the moment exercise is re this a second time in the mm. opening scene. Idris is like – he looks like a full-grown man. He's got yeah. like a big old beard. And so that makes the math a little bit more challenging. I think – well, he's also just an older actor and we know that that's – we kind of know that's Idris from that one scene even though we don't mm-hmm. see his face. Um, but I think if he had been – kind of lankier, more clean shaven, you know, like it would have been easier to like put those pieces together again. Um, mm. once that reveal happens in the ending of the scene. Cause in my head, I was like, wasn't he a full grown man in that opening scene? hmm But yep. again, they could have been 10, 15 years apart from each other exactly. in age and still
1: it still works. It's still fine. Right. So And I think if if they had tried to make Idris look younger in that opening scene, then it would have been really, really obvious for the audience what had happened, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I also wonder if it was this, like, okay. we're going to try and not give it away in this first scene. Yeah. So I, I don't know. That was my theory, but could be wrong.
0: Yeah, agreed. The The ending surprised me in that I I didn't expect this film to shift tonally and, and have so much... Um, emotion in that ending scene. I, you know, I think looking back after the movie ended, there are scenes where some of those moments are beginning to happen more and more. Like I'm thinking about the conversation between Trudy and Mary when she's peeling the apple and she's talking about kind mm-hmm. of the her upbringing and the abuse and violence that she endured as a child. And so like there's there's definitely uh, mile markers and signs, like that, were turning this film's direction a little bit. But you know, like so much of the movie is so fun that it it just was kind of unexpected when we kind of took this turn. Overall, uh, I loved the ending. I think the the re- the initial reveal that they're brothers, in my head, I was like, oh, well, that's kind of convenient. But I think the additional point that's made around we are cut from we are from the same father. Like we are cut from the same blood and the ultimate revenge and and um, curse I could place on you was to condemn you to this life of being an outlaw. Um, and then that final moral question of will um, will not love ultimately kill his brother or not. And I, I, I love that he does. You know, I think it was right for that character and the way that he, as you mentioned, acts in that scene. It's not out of um fury. It's out of this like pain and um trauma and vulnerability that's just like oozing through the violence, um, which I think is so effective. And you know, that final little conversation that he has with Mary around, she said, Did did you do kill the devil? And he says, I don't know. It's just like, oh, the final cherry on top for what this film is trying to communicate about um the way that violence continues to be, can be passed down from generation to generation and the challenges of kind of redeeming and, and finding a new path in the case of both of their, their father. Um, so man, I just didn't expect it from this movie that has so much fun for the rest of it. And I love that there is now this like really powerful combination of both style and substance in this movie. And it really, um, brings it home at the end.
1: Mm -hmm. and I love that he did kill his brother like Mm -hmm. how many times in film is our protagonist like offered that and then they choose to like walk away and not Mm -hmm. you know do whatever you know whatever crossroads they were at and I just I love that he he did it yeah he was like nope I'm I'm doing this and Again, for this film to have the courage to to go there, with a decision that, like you said, is right for this character, uh, It's just fascinating. Mm-hmm. Because I, again, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have worked as well if Nat had walked away. Mm-hmm. The the ending wouldn't have felt as satisfying.
0: Uh, yeah, because yeah, the ending that we get now is kind of a mixed bag mm-hmm. like in on one yeah. hand there's just been so much buildup for nat's character that this is the revenge and the vendetta that he has and he will fulfill it you know um there's a lot that mary talks about in the opening scenes with him about like you your soul will not be at rest and as long as rufus buck is alive and breathing and so there's just it make you can understand why he still wants to go through with this but um it doesn't feel like a triumph anymore. You know, like there feels like this dark shadow and this guilt that you know, that this character is going to have to figure out once the, you know, the curtain is closed on this movie. There's still
1: so much left for this character. And I think that's one of the things that I uh, just yet another one of the things that I appreciate about this film is that none of these characters are simple everybody is complex everybody is wrestling with something and everybody has their own sense of morality and this their own sense of right and wrong that is portrayed so differently in this film than i feel like has been portrayed in other westerns like in, in Westerns, you know, like, you always got, like, the outlaw or, you know, the main guy. Like, he's he's gruff and he'll play by his own rules. But, like, really, he has, like, a heart of gold. Like, so they, they've, like, dipped their toe in in this whole concept. But, man, in The Harder They Fall, every character has so much depth and complexity to it. And everyone is different, like we said. And... You don't see that in Westerns. Like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I think the beauty or the thing that people like about Westerns is that it's simple and it's not complicated. Yeah. But in this, like, everybody is complicated and everybody has, I don't know, like layers to them Mm -hmm. that we can uncover as basically as far as we want to go. And Mm -hmm. that makes it so much more interesting.
0: For most of the movie, we're kind of not rooting for one side or the other. I'm, or I'm rooting yeah. for both, both sides. Yep. You know, like there's so much that is endearing and empathetic about Rufus Buck and his gang, and the, especially the relationships and the way that he cares for the people in his gang and that the way that they are loyal to him. There's so much that we feel connected to in his gang of folks as well. So, yeah, there's, we're kind of watching it unfold when, but there's no clear protagonist and there's no clear villain that we are rooting against.
1: And so the the character that I was drawn the most to was Cherokee Bill I played by Lucky Stanfield. I knew oh, it. He's my <laughs> favorite. I just I want right, to so what, much more of what. him. I from <laughs> I think what I what I loved about that character so much is he was so unexpected and such a good foil to Trudy, particularly. And so mm-hmm. anytime those two are on screen together, which, my God, Regina King, like, we knew that she was a powerhouse, oh, but, whoa, blew me out of the water. She is just, like,
0: full-on badass mode in this. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, like, through the roof. It's insane.
1: So so you have that in Regina <laughs> King's character. Fire. <laughs> and then you have Cherokee Bill, who... He talks slowly, he has this leisurely pace about him, and yet he is like this quick-draw guy, mm-hmm. but he also doesn't like violence, but he's willing to inflict violence, and just all of this swirling in this one human, and Lakeith is just oozing swagger the entire oh God, time, yeah. and it's it's just perfect. I... oh. It was just excellent and so unexpected. I yeah. I was so pleased. <laughs> What's so interesting about
0: the way Lakeith portrays that character too is there's so much depth in his eyes. Mm-hmm. Like I and I can't even place what it is, but um, you know, in Trudy there is this pure liquid fire and she yeah. will like see you see right through you and burn two holes through your body. But with Lakeith, there's this, there's almost this the softness, but also the sadness that's in his eyes. And yeah. I just don't know how to place it other than my gosh, what has his character been through in his past? Um, because that outward persona is hiding so much beneath mm. the surface. Mm. Man.
1: Yeah. I just, and only McKee Sandville can do do it that way, you know? Right? I I'm just I'm I'm in awe. And and every character. Has something like that? Yeah. Like there, uh, how how do you do that with I don't know ten characters? Yep. In I don't know what. How long is this film? Like two hours. Two hours. Yeah. I, and also establish
0: the complexity of dynamics between the characters yes. as well, which is so important in kind of like ensemble movies like this, where there's gangs of folks and groups and dynamics. Um, nailing that piece to is so, so important. And this film also just does that really well. I mean, a lot of the banter between, um, Bill Pickett and Jim Beck, Beckworth is just so good too. You know, there's so many Mm -hmm. good lines that come from. Man, this film is so good.
1: It really is. It is one about it more. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's one that I feel like you, you don't need to watch it again, but like you kind of need to watch it again. Yeah. But it, it doesn't feel like like you missed something but it feels like oh my gosh I want to spend more time with these characters. Yes. Yep. Which mm-hmm. I don't know when was the last time we said that of all things. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> right, yeah. It's, it's so fun and so engaging.
0: That's what I was thinking about about like 20 30 minutes into this movie. Um, there, the, you know, the action and the plot really hasn't revved up in momentum too much yet. Like we're kind of still establishing characters. And and I was just thinking to myself, even if nothing happens in this movie, I just want to hang out with these people. Yeah. Like they are fascinating and unique and colorful and just to observe them spend time together and for us to be little flies on the wall is captivating enough. Like by 30 minutes in, I'm like, I could end the movie now and be so satisfied. When do we ever say that about any movie?
1: Literally never. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: So good. Um, One of the other things that I I think is important about this movie is the way it sheds light on um, the presence of black cowboys in history. And how we have erased that part of our history from media and pop culture. And through the the traditional genre of western movies um, for most of our film history. And I just kept thinking a lot about Idris. His presence in this movie obviously is undoubted, but, um, you know, his, the fact that he's done Concrete Cowboy now, this feels intentional. Like it feels like this is a part of his community and his people that he wants to bring to the forefront and reclaim again, because so much of that has been erased from from media and what we know about um
1: cowboys and who they were in history. Yeah, while I was like reading up on this afterwards, I, I read that historians estimate that one in four cowboys were black. And that wow. just blew my mind. Like, yeah. wow, we have really, really whitewashed history. Mm-hmm. And completely misrepresented the reality of people in the wild west and so I just I love that we get a film like this that it it, there's an attempt to tell those stories in a really Mm -hmm. fun way and I I loved uh at the beginning it said while the events of this story are fictional these people existed period after every word too like you will know this (laughs) yes it felt like such like it feels like the film started with an exclamation point um yeah and i don't know even reading up about the actual lives of some of these characters because obviously they took creative liberties and the the real life (laughs) people were not like this they probably didn't even know each other but even the fact that this film kind of like took us on this journey to want to learn more about the real life black cowboys that existed in, Mm -hmm. in this world is, is valuable. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's super important. I mean, I was a history that I didn't know anything about. And now I am uh, encouraged and wanting to know more about these people and what their life was like. And okay, what was the wild west Really like, like not yeah. just what I've seen in John Wayne movies.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And a powerful way that film can shed light on and speak interest and ignite curiosities about these whole groups of people that have not gotten the intention or mental capacity from most, many in, in the past decades in the, in the way that they should. So, um, yeah, really, really important. And, I think what's also interesting, too, is that cowboys are typically the symbol of freedom and kind of the ultimate form of claiming your independence in America. So just the fact that these characters are on screen and in this, you know, like stereotypical role and able to like live out all their badassery on screen and we get to um, experience that is is pretty important, and pretty special. So just the fact that this film exists is fantastic. Good job, Netflix, for funding this
1: yes oh netflix come on like (laughs) maybe maybe i counted netflix out too early like they produce a lot of shit but they did concrete cowboy too right they did yes so sometimes netflix uses its power for good and i love it when they do that and this Mm -hmm. is one of those times and I'm
0: so pleased that this is number one on the yes. best watch list in America for the past, like, since Wednesday to a couple days later. Very good. good.
1: Yes, Let, let's keep it up. More mm-hmm. of this, please. Yeah. We can bump you. <laughs> yes, exactly. We don't. We don't need that. But we would like more of the harder they fall, please. Yes, please. Um, one thing
0: that was kind of interesting uh, is. The very last shot of this movie, you know, they're riding off Cuffy and uh, Bass mm-hmm. Reeves are riding off in one direction. Nat Love and Mary are riding off one direction. It's implied that Trudy is still alive. And so my question is, sequel question mark, is this a setup for another movie? What are your thoughts? Oh, anti-sequel, so I I'm I hope vote. not.
1: I don't yeah. want a sequel. I don't want it. I because don't want it this movie is like virtually perfect, okay? Why are you gonna try and recreate perfection? Like, no, <laughs> let's do a n- new story. New characters do something mm-hmm. different because it's just the ending is so good. The fact that because like one of my questions was, is Trudy still alive? Yeah, and I yeah. love that they answered that without having to do a whole lot. And so Her I iconic am- hat. Yes. yes. And her black glove. Like, mm-hmm. that that's all I needed. I don't need any more. As much as I want to spend more time with these characters, I can re-watch, rewatch this movie. movie. Yes. I don't need a new story with these characters. Please, please, please don't make a sequel.
0: <laughs> I agree, because I think it'll be forced. There's already, like, half the characters yes. are gone, yep. right? So... Either we're going to have the current cast of characters plus some new folks, which always just feels like, I don't, you know, it's just never the, it's never the same magic of the dynamics because we already fell in love with the fir- with the original gang of folks and kind of their, their dynamics together. Um, yeah, I don't think we need one either. So hopefully no sequel. Hopefully Netflix just continues to fund whatever <laughs> J. Jay- wants to create please. Yeah.
1: And I I think like the creation of a, of a sequel could be just problematic for the characters too. Cause I don't know, like it's, it's exciting when there's the like, will they, won't they like with Nat and Mary. And so like, that's fun, but um, you can't have that in the second film. Mm -hmm. Like they would have to either be together or apart. And you couldn't do this like in the middle business. No. And both of those options present a lot of challenges. And, Mm -hmm. like, they just lost a bunch of people. Nat just killed his brother. (laughs) So then there's, like, the grief and the guilt, which would be really interesting to explore, but also not right. Yeah. (laughs) So, like, it's just better. Let us imagine what their lives looked like, what happened, and that's good enough. Mm -hmm. We'll watch whatever new world is created. Yep. I agree. I agree.
0: Because part of what makes the ending powerful is the open question around Mary's question, which is, did you yeah. kill the devil or not? And he says, I don't know. Um, you know, like what will become of him? Will he become like his father who is able to find redemption and live a better life? Or who, will he go in, and sink deeper into his outlaw ways? Like open question, right? And- That's what's fun about the ending. So we don't need an answer to that question. Nope. We sure don't. We don't. (laughs) (laughs) All right. um, Should we talk about some of the acting in this film? I think we touched on it a little bit, but I was just floored. I'm always floored, but especially in this movie as well, just Idris's presence on screen is always so formidable. and powerful, I'm continuously blown away, and this movie was no exception. Every time he's on screen, you sense the the inherent power in his presence, but I think what he also brings to this role is this sadness that you couldn't place until you see some of the revelations begin to unfold about who he is and what his background was and what he's done, you know? Um, and there's just so much nuance in in all of that, I think we touched on a similar nuance with uh, Cherokee Bill, but I think that's to your point earlier, what makes each of these characters very complex and not just archetypes in a gang together.
1: Mm-hmm. I loved that moment between Rufus and Trudy uh, where, where she, she talks about like him building an oasis for black people, basically. And that's just after, he was released from, or escaped from prison. Whatever. Anyway, he's free. And then, like, he beats the hell out of that one guy. And then the next time we see him is in this conversation with Trudy. And it's such a different uh, tone than you would expect. Because, like, you, we've all seen the movies where the villain is like, hey, like, I'm gonna build this thing for me and I'm gonna build my empire and like all of this like bravado crap. But that's not at all what this was. It was this desire to like help people and create like a safe space for people. But the way that they're doing it <laughs> yeah, is filled with <laughs> violence and breaking the law, and so it was just so fascinating. Again, that these two seemingly competing ideas are coexisting within mm-hmm. one person, and he's leading from that place. I, I never would have thought to put those two very different drives into one character, mm-hmm. but it works so well, which makes us. Conf,
0: compli- it complicates the way our our relationship yes. with him as a viewer as well. Yep. You know, I think from the beginning we're never truly rooting against him. Like, I think I think maybe we're we're supposed to in a traditional sense, but I think the movie's not actually trying to set us up to do that. And so this further complicates how we should feel about his gang, um, especially because it starts. The, the way that scene plays out, too, is it starts with him talking about this grand vision that he has and whatnot, and he communicates that vision to the town people, and they start to uh, <laughs> protest against yeah. it, and then you, meet, you, you sense this shift of, like, um, it goes from let's do this together to a domineering attitude, and you're yeah. like, oh, okay, this is not all, this is not all uh, beautiful and visionary and wondrous, as we thought.
1: Mhm. Yeah, it's just again, it's just this comp- complex, I don't know, character that yeah, was again, it was just unexpected. Yeah. You know, I, I very much e- expected like archetypes for all of these characters and none of them cleanly fits into a category.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Yep. Even for example
0: the the relationship and dynamics between Trudy and Mary mm-hmm, yeah, especially in the scene where uh, Mary is captured and and Trudy is peeling the apple. you see so much similarities between these two women and just because of their loyalties, they're pitted against each other, but they are actually so alike. Um, you know, they both have that fighting spirit and that fire and the determination to go to the end of the earth for the people that are in their camp. And I don't know, I I thought that the, the way that that final uh, fight scene breaks out and and happens and having specifically them two fighting against each other, um, you know, isolated from everyone else was kind of an interesting choice. They easily could have staged that very differently where they're all kind of intermixed in the same fight together, but they are actually full on hand to hand combat, just the two of them. Um, which is, which is really interesting. It reminds me of, you know, that um, Jungian philosophy and concept of like your shadow, the thing that you often find aggravating in, in someone else is the same thing that you see in yourself too, um, which is kind of terrifying. But also I think that there's some bit of that happening here. They are so similar to each other, but they're just, their fires being channeled
1: in opposite directions from each other. Mm-hmm, yeah. And I was so pleased that, you know, they, I mean, all the women in this film were three-dimensional characters. And they Hello. all- Hello, yes. Yeah. I love to see that. Excellent. Please, more of this. And I think especially given the Western genre where women mm. are just not three-dimensional at all. So mm-hmm. it was just lovely to see something so, so different. And they all contributed in unique ways to whatever was going on. And I I just, I also loved that it was the two women that were duking it out at the end when the guys were just like shooting each other. I don't know. There was just something funny or I don't know if funny is the right word, but like it was just so unexpected that yeah. the the women are going to be the ones to say, nah, we're going to handle this. I just, I loved it. And it was just I choreographed so well. It and wasn't- that
0: barn had... Yes.
1: Every weapon imaginable. <laughs> it sure did. Creative way imaginable.
0: <laughs> yeah, very true. Yeah. That's great. In most movies, it would be uh, Buck and Matt yep. Love. Yes, you know, isolated from the rest of the group. Yep. You know, hashing out all other
1: <laughs> all other problems. Not this one. Nope. Yep. The girls are going to handle it. Mm-hmm. No weapons allowed. <laughs> They are the weapon.
0: Hello. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We haven't, I guess mentioned yet, but the choreography of all the fight scenes felt very John wick esque, which John wick is its own category. It's very high Bart reach. And yet I think it, I think this does such a good job of making the, the fight scenes really athletic and, and very physical instead of these like quick cut shots um, you see a lot of the choreographed fighting that happens. And I was pleasantly surprised by that. and makes for a grand,
1: grand old time. Yeah. And I, I loved that it wasn't perfect. You know, mm. like I feel like, like John Wick, again, <laughs> different category of fight scenes, but it's so precise and like perfectly executed mm. when they fight. But in, in this film, it's messy. And they're scrappy. And this is not a clean fight at all. <laughs> but it's still so well done and so interesting. The way that they use the space and how their different fighting styles really make sense for that character too.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. That's so true.
0: I was just getting a, a good who out of every possible object you
1: could use there are a lot of them too they were throwing like powder dye into each other's faces that would (laughs) that would burn sting blind you like that's a good weapon right there Mm -hmm. (laughs) all right um
0: other things we wanted to mention and talk about with this film before we wrap
1: up can we talk about the white town oh my gosh yes (laughs) it was so funny oh good everything down to like the gravel on the roads. (laughs) Even the horses were white, which was just so funny. Well,
0: I mean, visually it's great. Stylistically, you know, really funny. Um, But I also feel like there's this, this like additional meaning of like the feeling of being out of place. And when every part and every detail around you feels like it's so different from you and you stick out like a sore thumb you know like there's something there's there's all this extra meaning I feel like that was also imparted in that
1: one visual choice which I think oh really yeah great. absolutely and I just yeah it, it was brilliant again this whole film does it the entire way through communicating mm-hmm. layers of meaning depending okay. on how far you want to go and it was just I don't know, it was just so jarring to go into the white town after, you know, being in all of these other towns where there's so much like vibrancy and life and like even the buildings are colorful, the outfits are colorful, like everything is just full of color and excitement and fun and vibrancy. And then you go to the white town, it's just like, oh, It's like boring as hell. This like, <laughs> sucks. Like, let's go back. So, oh my gosh, it was. Again, like it was funny, but also full of meaning. And mm-hmm. wow, what intentional choices were made to make yeah. that as impactful as it was.
0: Yeah, oh, it was so great. I think there's also just some like um, subtitle text on screen that was like, no, really, it's white. Yeah, it's white here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so oh. good. It was so great. Um, there is one little detail that I did not pick up on and only found out about reading reading about this movie afterwards. But there is a tribute to Chadwick Boseman in this movie um, that they included in. And it's in the train scene where uh, the gang is rescuing Rufus Buck out of prison. And the name of the train is C.A. Boseman, which is um, a tribute to Chadwick Boseman's death, which I just thought was such a beautiful little detail to include in this movie and I just I loved it. To,
1: I, did you mm-hmm. did you catch that bit? I did not at all. No, no I didn't catch that but gosh but how special yeah great. Yep he he is sorely missed and mm-hmm. I, I love that so many different creators um, were were impacted by him and are finding yeah. little ways to honor him in their work.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Really special. And just that little bit of detail again hmm. means so much. And for the people yeah. that did catch it or read about it after, to know that the director and this crew um wanted to take the extra step to honor him in that way it was really special. So just another another tribute to Jack McGosmid's legacy. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah.
1: Anything else you wanted to mention? I was also just surprised at how many comedic actors are in this. Mm. So like um Damon Wayans Jr. I I was so shocked when when he showed up cuz I'm used to seeing him in just like straight up comedies. So to be in this like it's it's a comedy, it's funny, but it's not <laughs> like funny funny. So it was just great to see um yeah, these comedic actors getting mm-hmm. chances to do something a little bit different and little cameos. Yeah. I was yeah. I was just surprised. There were certain times like certain actors would just pop up and I'd be like, Oh my gosh, you're in this too? Oh, <laughs> great. What was the budget for paying my all of God. these people? Because you're right. It is just star studded. Yes. I I don't know, but it must yeah. have been a lot because so money monies. Yeah. And I mean, gosh, they they all did a great job. So yes, pay mm-hmm. them what they want because <laughs> you got a great turn return on your investment.
0: Yeah, yeah, so true, so true. Good job, Netflix for funding this. Yay! Thanks, for Netflix bringing it to us. All right. Well, this was our review and discussion of the harder they fall. You can find it available to watch stream on Netflix. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. This podcast is fueled by our passion for stories and connection and is something we continue to do each week solely because we love it. This is our Strategic Whimsy Experiment and we encourage you to find a way to infuse a little whimsy into your day. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or wherever you tune into your favorite shows. Drop us a review letting us know your thoughts about the harder they fall. You can connect with us on Instagram at Strategic Whimsy Experiment, on Twitter at Strategic Whimsy Or you can email us at strategicwhimsyeexperiment at gmail.com. We will be back next week to discuss the Marvel film Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Very excited about that. We hope you have an amazing week and we'll see you next week.